Hey there, I'm Jacob Harmon from JMH Media. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. Welcome back to another episode of TrustCast, where we talk about what I believe to be the most important thing in business, and that is trust and building trust. And today I have Kyle Hammer with me, and he is the owner of Hammer Marketing Group, and he's a marketing genius, so I'm happy to have him on the show to teach us a little bit more about branding and marketing. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great today, Jacob. Thanks for that. Thanks for that introduction. Honored to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you here, and we haven't chatted a whole lot. We just barely started talking, but I can already tell that you really know your marketing, and so I'm really excited to kind of dive into that and see how we can use marketing as a tool to build trust. Oh man, that's a big box of questions there. Like it, you know, trying to trying to use marketing to create trust is um, when you get it right, it's amazing, and when you get it wrong, oof, it becomes your sales <laughs> prevention department. Yeah. Um, since you mentioned that, do you have any examples or or like case studies of maybe where it went wrong and so we can see kind of some things to avoid? <laughs> well, I think I think when it comes down to to building trust, building trust is a byproduct of doing what you say, right? It's it's a little bit of the golden rule. And and I think a lot of people overcomplicate marketing and how they do things because they think it needs to be this gigantic intellectual puzzle that they're solving. And it's really kind of some of the basic things. I grew up on a farm and on the farm and in the community I grew up in, your handshake meant everything hmm, yeah. and your word meant everything, right? So marketing in order to build trust is doing what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and delivering on the expectations of whoever's on the other side of that statement. You know, you think about organizations that have failed in that particular, um, that particular mechanism and that, that, that number could go on and on and on and on. Um, think about, think about a, uh, a product that you bought on Amazon that had few reviews or a product that maybe you purchased off of, of eBay. And when it came, you're like, well, wait, this doesn't match the description or this doesn't match what I thought that I was buying. And so a, a big chasm there is as well, man, what I, I thought was going to happen and what I actually got are not one in the same. And so that confidence gap really creates challenges for, for people that want to do business with you again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I'm thinking about, and it's kind of just top of mind for me because it's something that's happening right now is this whole fiasco with Facebook and WhatsApp. Um, WhatsApp kind of positioned themselves as we're the company who's end to end encrypted. Like we're going to keep your messages safe. Then they got bought by Facebook and they said, Oh, we're not going to change that. We're not going to change that. 
And then just recently their privacy policy changed and people are going crazy about it. And, um, at the end of the day, like, I, I think Facebook is claiming that, Hey, we're not changing anything really. Like we're still doing end to end encryption and everything, but people have come to kind of distrust Facebook as a company that is just going to mine everybody's data. Right. And so I think there's Facebook probably has a trust problem right now and, and it's kind of being expanded over to WhatsApp because they bought them. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you talk about technology companies, that's one of the, that's one of the big challenges organizations have when you go through mergers and acquisitions is what made me great to get me here may not be the same things that make me great to get me there. Mm-hmm. And when you go through an M&A process, uh, specifically like WhatsApp and, and Facebook, there's this dissonance between what the lawyers say we need to have, what the market expects, and what the shareholders need. Yeah. And usually what happens when you're in these big, these big tech environments is the, the customer, right, the consumer, they're the person who loses. Yeah. Uh, and, and with Facebook and WhatsApp – you know, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. I'm sure you've I'm sure you've heard that. Yep. The 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 real the real challenge here with Facebook and big tech is there's a shifting plate for what expectations are. And what I mean by that is is go back to my statement of what got you here may not be what gets you there. Well, Facebook's also in a really big um, punching battle with Apple over losing the ability to track certain things. And they're upset with Google and the way they're permissioning and changing different things. Mm-hmm. And people are going, well, Facebook's bad. They're mining data. Facebook built a business based on having access to these particular things. Yeah. What changed was the market. The market said, we're no longer interested in giving you as much access to us. And when they did that, Apple responded, Google started to respond, and Facebook's going, but 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 wait, our business is our built entire on this. model is yeah. <laughs> our business is built on the ability to access this. And so you know, there's a difference between I don't trust Facebook to deliver communities or connections, because I think that's absolutely w- what Facebook is, you know, designed around. But you flip it on its head and you look at well how Facebook makes money. And that distrust gets into, well, I'm not entirely sure how they make money and the way that they're doing things, that makes me nervous. And since it's not transparent and I don't understand it, obviously you're doing something nefarious. Yeah. And I like that word transparent because I think that's one way to gain a lot of trust is be transparent about your business model and about your practices. Um I, I kind of follow this tech space closely and I'm, I'm on the Apple side of it personally. I'm like, yeah, let's protect our data. Um, but like at the end of the day, all Apple's really asking is be transparent, right? We're still going to let you have access to that data if the user says that you can, but we all, we already know that a lot of times those users are going to deny that data if they're given the, given the choice. And so it, it's all about transparency and being willing to say, Hey, this is our business model. This is how we make money. And if you're okay with that, and, and I think Google does a good job on the opposite end of the spectrum is they say, Hey, we give you a bunch of free services and we're also mining a lot of your data, but look at all the value you get from it. We give you free Gmail. We give you free YouTube. We give you all this stuff. And in exchange for. Yeah, we, we have access to a lot of your data so that we can sell ads against it, right? And so I think it's just a difference of trying to be transparent and providing that value so that it's worth what you're taking. Well, and I and I think this is the part where, you know, you talk about trust and in marketing. This is where the market di- dynamics and what's happening culturally really matter 
in in businesses and making decisions. So what was right for for Google when they rolled out? I mean, you get ads in your email if you have a Gmail account yep. from Google. I remember when that rolled out and I was so upset. I personally was upset because I'm like, you don't own the right to have space inside my email inbox. And at the time, Hotmail was tagging stuff at the bottom. Everybody was looking for ways to make an extra buck inside of email. Fast forward, you know, and, and at that time, it was kind of this new market. And they're like, oh, it'll go away. It's no big deal. We didn't really understand what the value exchange was that was happening. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward uh, 20 years, not quite, but fast forward 15 years, you've had Edward Snowden. In, in releasing information. You've had the WikiLeaks things that have happened. You have people being worried that, that big tech is, is big brothering them and, and search algorithm and classifying their, their, their messages. And then you have, you know, culturally this, this gigantic divide in American culture of yeah. red versus blue and conservative versus liberal and too much information versus leave me alone. And, and you get to a spot where, the country is fracturing and organizations are going, no, 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 this is, this is the way it's always been. We're just going to keep doing these things. They're not listening to the market, Hmm. whether you're listening to the right side of the market or the left side of the market is, is irrelevant. Being sensitive to what's happening around you is really, really important. I mean, um, think about if, if somebody was out selling hot dogs during the middle of the, um, uh, Rodney King riots in, in, in Los Angeles. So it's like, well, wow, that's a really great capitalistic idea. Here's there are people out here. They're 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 rioting. They got to be hungry. They probably need food. I'm going to go make a buck. It's probably very insensitive. Not a good idea to do. Sure, you could make some money, but do you really want to do that? And I think that a lot of technology companies have become tone deaf to listening to the market because they feel like, well, with their algorithms and their brilliant engineers, they can control the narrative versus being sensitive to where, you know, where people are at in their space and, and trying to move through emotionally what they're willing to give up and not give up and, and, and navigate that relationship with the organization. Yeah. I like how you said it's, it's all about listening to the market, right. And being able to, to understand how the market's feeling about things. And I feel like, I mean, we're talking about big companies right now. We're talking about Facebook and Apple, these huge behemoths. Um, and I feel like those companies sometimes have a harder time adjusting course. It's almost like there's this huge ship and just to turn that ship around is very, very hard. And sometimes smaller companies have an advantage in these types of situations because they can pivot a lot quicker and they can, they can change a lot quicker. Um, but what are some ways that we can, we can look at the market and try to understand, understand the people side of it and try to be sensitive to what's happening around the world? If you've been in marketing any amount of time, you hear all the time, people buy from folks that they like, know, and trust. Yeah. Right. And if you look at the evolution of marketing, marketing started in direct sales and in direct sales would somebody be knocking on your door. And the marketing part of direct sales was how do I get across that door threshold? Yeah. What the salesperson said, how they communicated the, what it was that got them in the door that was marketing and the direct sales would be how they were, you know, they were trying to convert. Well, fast forward a hundred years, fast forward 200 years, 
marketing in its essence hasn't changed. Marketing's job has still about how do we get across the threshold? Mm -hmm. How do we get people to invite us into their home or into their place of business so that we can help them understand what we do and how it will benefit their organization? Marketing gets confused with advertising. Well, I bought this ad. It should fix this. Or marketing gets confused with a go-to-market strategy. Or marketing gets confused with a lot of different things. It gets confused with a lot of different things because across the the evolution of marketing, it has been um, it's been about moving from talking with someone to talking to many people. Back to now trying to have a conversation with the market. Mm -hmm. So for smaller organizations, if you understand that context and you look at, say, your website pages or you look at your emails and if your email or your 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 um, your communication with the market, if it's all about you, if it's all broadcast, if it's all billboards, ask yourself this question. When was the last time you sat down and thought, wow, that billboard really made me think I should call and talk to somebody about that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't. You're, you're not having a conversation at a market or you're not having a conversation with a market. You're not having a conversation with your audience. You're talking to somebody with a specific pain in a specific moment. And the number of those people are, are minute. You're spraying and praying. You're showing up and throwing up. Yeah. If small businesses really want to succeed, they need to slow down, take a deep breath, and listen to their customers. And what I mean by that is, is who's voting with their dollars and how. Not your customers that you have that's on your, your um, oh, what do they call it, your customer advisory board, or not your customers that you have that just came in and you think that they're going to be a gigantic behemoth, like I just landed on Microsoft. No. Where does 80% of your business come from? How do they behave? What do they think about? What's important to them? And uh, a really good example of this is is in my, my little area here, there's a, a cute retailer. My wife and I love going there that they do cupcakes in champagne. And the owner thought, oh, I want to start a boutique and started adding clothes and necklaces and jewelry. And all of a sudden, the, I was talking with the owner and they were concerned with the, the drop in sales. Well, all the, they, they were mixing the messages. What people had fallen in love with and started coming to there for was the flavor of the month cupcake and the new champagnes that they were doing on a regular basis. And the the organization changed to add this boutique with the, you know, women's fashion and it didn't make sense. It no longer made sense to the customers that they had, but that's what the owner wanted to do. Small mid-sized businesses really can't afford to do things on a whim. They really need to listen to where their customers are at and what's important to them. Yeah. It's all about the people part of it, right? The listening, the being genuinely curious. Before we jumped on this call, we were talking for just a little bit and you mentioned three kind of pillars of marketing, people, process, and technology. And so I think right now we're talking about that people piece uh, and how you can, you can really just listen to your market and understand them and talk talk with them in a, in a way that resonates with them. Um, but I love to talk also about the process and the technology part of marketing. And let's, let's move into process first. Let me set that up just a little bit. So when you think about the people, there's really two sides to the people. There's the people that consume or buy your products. And there's the people that help 
them make those decisions, get them there. And and so when you think about the three pillars, the people is by far the most valuable. If you have if you have if you're targeting the wrong people with the wrong message, you're never going to sell anything. If you have the wrong people trying to listen to the market and they're know-it-alls, you're never going to sell anything. Right? So getting that mix of people is really really important to helping a business be successful. And you mentioned you said being curious, being inquisitive, and being passionate about somebody else's circumstance. Mm-hmm. Exceptional marketers will first seek to understand before they ever seek to be understood. Yeah. I love that so much. And it's, it's interesting because I've only done, I've, I mean, we've only published at this point eight episodes of Trustcast, and I've done a couple more interviews that are in the queue, but this topic keeps coming up. This topic of listening, be interested before, before you try to be interesting, try to, try to understand. And so I think I can't understate how important that is because over and over and over again, that's what I'm hearing. Well, it, in, 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 in part of what listening is, and this leads into the second piece, which is process. When you are passionately curious, when you are truly seeking to understand, you are not only listening to what the, um, the prospects or the people potentially to buy your, your wares or service will be, but you're, you're introspective and looking and listening to the business, to the process. Where is this person in their journey? What is it we do at this particular point? How do we make sure that they have a great experience? Um, one of the companies that is sneakily good at customer experience, and you don't even know it, is Disney. Hmm. Disney uses technology. They use um uh, whether it's wristbands or facial recognition, or they use different things in their experience so that when you show up, it's effortless to engage with Disney mm-hmm. from the point which you check in at the hotel to the point which you do, you do rides. But everything behind that is built on their process and their process is all designed to make you have an effortless experience. If at any point it feels uncomfortable or hard, you're not going to spend as much money. They've done studies to know that scientifically you're not going to spend as much if it if it's frustrating to you even a little bit. So they've invested in their technology and their process on the back end to make it feel effortless. And so consequently, when people say it's the happiest place on the earth, it's that way by design. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so when you think about process, you know, I deal with a lot of B2B companies, people forget that, hey, just because I fill out a form, what happens to that particular contact information? Where does it go? A lot of times your sales team, if you're in a B2B environment, your sales team isn't getting notified or leads are going into the, you know, the inner working skeletons of your, of your company. Nobody ever follows up on them. Or if they do, it's two to three weeks later. Well, there's countless studies that show that if a lead is followed up with in under five minutes, you have an 80% better chance of moving them to the next step. So you spend all this money getting them to the first step and then your process, because you're not, no, sales isn't talking to marketing and marketing is not necessarily listening to sales, is busted. You're wasting all of that effort 
because you're not looking at the process. Yeah. And I think the important thing to highlight here is that you're building this process to serve the customer. Um, I love that you were mentioning Disney and how, how the experience is good because of their processes. But I think too often as a business owner, you might think processes are about being efficient and saving me time and saving me money. And it does. But I think you need to build those processes to make the experience for the end user and the end customer better. Um, because if the process is only serving the business, then the person might feel like they don't matter to you. And I've definitely been involved in those types of processes too, where I feel like a number or I feel like I'm just talking to a robot instead of a human being because they have a great process that saves the company a lot of time and a lot of money. But I don't actually feel like ever talk to a bank. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Or, or I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are millions of people right now who've gone through uh, the unemployment process or, or applying for additional benefits and you go to call and nobody's available and you feel like a cog in a wheel and there's not enough information. You can't understand what you need to do in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the gap of knowledge, right? Not only do you fracture trust, but when there's a knowledge gap and there's an understanding gap and you don't know what to do next, when there's that gap, there's an opportunity for somebody else to create their own story for them to tell the story about what you did to them or how you wronged them or how this yeah. wasn't okay. Right. And and it may not be your fault, but your process created that opportunity for them to craft their own narrative. Yeah. Wow. And it, it almost sounds to me like these three pillars that we're talking about are so intertwined because the process is meant to serve the people. And obviously the process is built on technology and different systems that make that process work. And so really it's just about creating that entire customer experience, that customer journey from the first time they ever hear about your company to being a loyal raving fan of your company and making sure that every piece of that is, is built correctly. Yeah. One of the very first interviews that I ever gave on a podcast, uh, Jacob, was was on the art of selling. Like, where is it that sales gets it wrong? And I said, you know, where I think sales falls apart is is that they forget that selling is a romance. You don't walk up to somebody tomorrow and go, "Hey, will you marry me?" Like, there's this, there's these these waypoints and there's these moments in in your relationship and as it evolves and develops. Where you have to meet certain thresholds to open the next door, to go to the next stage, or go to the next phase. And for organizations, when it comes to marketing, and you talk about the three pillars, pillar number one of being about people, you got to be picking the right people to have a romance lit with, right? It's like, if it, otherwise, you might end up being like Anna Nicole Smith and whoever her husband was. Nobody remembers him other than he was a billionaire, and that causes all kinds of skepticism. But if you're really, truly intentional about um, romancing your customer in your marketing and in your process, you'll find that the technology is actually effortless because you can't process something until you've done it as a person, right? Yeah. I can't go automate something until I've experienced it. If, if you try and automate something before you've done it manually, you're, it's going to, it's going to fail nine times out of 10. Mm. Why? Cause you didn't get lucky. But if you do it manually and understand, oh, this is the next step and this is the next step and ooh, we really created an ugly experience and this was the response that that customer or that prospect had, we should not do that again. When you go to deploy technology, now you're looking for technology that supports you, 
that supports this experience that's hyper-focused on creating a customer experience that's intoxicating, a customer experience that makes them fall in love with you, right? It's it, and, and it doesn't have to be this over-the-top, incredibly uh, beautiful thing. Sometimes the most beautiful things are the most simple, mm-hmm. right? And you know, if you if you try and automate a a thirty seven step email campaign to a guy who just drinks beer and goes fishing, he's gonna be like, I don't even have a cell phone and I don't read my email. Like it's not gonna work. Uh-huh. However, if you figure out how to get that guy in and and start romancing him with, hey, you sent him a lure and then you sent him a hook. And then you send him the best guide to when to go fishing and it came in the mail and, oh, here's a coupon for 30% off your favorite beer. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, you want to buy our fishing pole for 1200 bucks? He's going to be in a much better space for spending $1,200 on a fishing pole because of all the things you did to, to speak to who he was, to speak what was important to him, that it feels like, man, you know me. Of course of course, if you recommend that I need this fishing pole, then that's what I want to buy. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that that's the part where organizations spend too much time on technology is like they want to e-automate everything, they want to they want to tag everything, they want to turn it into this this beautiful algorithm in the back end. And the reality is, is just shut up and listen to your customers. They'll tell you what they want you to do. Yeah. And I, I'm as guilty as that as the next guy, I'm sure. It, it's kind of like, I, I've heard it said like uh, the shiny object syndrome, right? <laughs> or, ooh, it's, let's go over here. Oh, let's do that. And I think that tech often and tools can become a distraction because it's fun. Like personally, I love learning a new tool and I love being able to play with like different automations and different technology. And I think most marketers do, but at the end of the day, if there's no strategy behind that tool, or if there's no if understanding of the target market, it's not going to do you much good. You know, you're just, you're just wasting time and spinning your wheels. <laughs> well, and, and I think that goes back to, you know, we talked about the Stephen Covey seven principles of highly effective people first seek to understand then be understood. If you, Excuse me. If you understand your customer, if you empathize with their situation, if you think about the logical steps that they need to take to overcome whatever the challenges that they're going through, if you truly understand that and your process, your process is set up between how you exchange between uh, whether it's your e-commerce system and your your back office for your for your shipping and delivery or your sales and your marketing team how that's all structured, it feels effortless with technology. It's like, it's the reason I bring up Disney is because most people don't think about, oh, I've got this wristband and and it's c- controlling my entire experience <laughs> at Disney or it even understands who I am. But the reality is there's been so much effort by Disney in romancing you and making your life feel effortless while you're there because they want it to be the happiest place on earth. That technology isn't what you think about. You don't think, oh, I need to go interact with this kiosk. You don't think I need to go stop at this ATM. You think, oh, I would like to go buy a soda with your bracelet. Oh, I would like to go get on this ride with a bracelet. Oh, this is a really cool interactive display. Hi, Jacob. Welcome. My name's Dory, right? Like uh-huh. everything becomes this experience and you're like, ah, wow, that's really cool. And the magic is the technology underneath there anticipating what you're thinking of and what's important to you to do next. Yeah. 
I think at the end of the day, a lot of times businesses and marketers think that catering to the end user is going to bring down the bottom line of the company, but really it does the exact opposite. Just because you're taking care of them over and beyond, they're like you said, they're more willing to spend money with you and spending money with you is less friction for them. And so at the end of the day, if you create an incredible customer experience, yeah, that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of effort, but the ROI is absolutely there. It, it is. The thing that I think is really important when you think about these three or you think about building trust is, is trust doesn't happen immediately and it doesn't happen overnight. It's incrementally gained and it can be lost in one small, simple choice. And the thing that I think about is, is there was an internet marketer who I was listening to talk in the mid 2000s. So I think somewhere between 2006 and 2008. And the statement that this internet marketer had was, he said, look, the most important thing to me for my business is my customer list. It's so important to me that at the end of every week, I take the new people that have been added to my list and I walk it down to the bank and I put it in a safety deposit box, not because I'm trying to secure anything, but because subliminally, I want to continue to tell myself that this is the most valuable thing I have, not the list, the people on the list. Yeah. And so that was just a really good visual to me early on in, in my career, thinking about Wow, like the 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 effort of it's a Friday, it's 4:30. I've got to print out the 50 pages of new people I've got and then I have to drive over to the bank, go all the way up to the teller. The teller's got to take <laughs> me into the back, got to open up my safety deposit box and put them in and then come back on Monday and pick them up again. Like that th- that level of effort and commitment to the customer meant that when it came to deciding, well, do I send five emails or seven emails this week? Or do I send one email and do I do a hundred phone calls this week? He was very intentional about what that meant for the relationship between his business and what he was trying to achieve and those people on that list. And, um, you know, relationships, whether it's, it's, um, it's between a business and a business or uh, a husband and a wife or two friends. Relationships are human to human. And so trust is built human to human, person to person. You know, you could say skin on skin, but in today's digital age, it's <laughs> it's really experience to experience. And it, it, it doesn't take much, you know, look at, look at the division that we're facing in our country right now, right? All right, after 35 posts that I don't agree with on Facebook, delete, and I don't want to talk to you. I'm not taking your phone call. The trust, I don't trust you. you you're crazy. That trust is really, really, really hard to earn, and it's really easy to get rid of. Yeah. And so I think it's important when businesses think about their their marketing efforts to realize you sometimes can do more damage than good. And and one of the ways that I think is currently very grotesque in the market is what I'll call, uh, a lot of people refer to it as pitch slapping. If you're on LinkedIn or you're in a uh, Facebook group, somebody will pop into your your instant message or your, your DM and they'll slide in and they'll be like, hey, I do this, word vomit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know you. I don't even know, like, I, how do you know that I was looking for French fries with cheese sauce. I'm, I'm not like, as a matter of fact, I'm a vegan or what, you know, whatever it is. Like it's, it, it's, it's so tone deaf 
that it creates a negative connotation towards your company. And in in cases like for for the way that I consume or the way that I do businesses business, I won't work with somebody. You show up in my inbox and you pitch slap me. I am never working with your company. I don't care if you have the gold standard of whatever it is and I just happen to be looking for it 20 years later. I will remember you sent me some dumb thing and that you showed up without me being like asking you or inviting you in and just started vomiting on me. Like That's a terrible experience mm-hmm. and breaks trust from the word jump. Yeah. You're speaking my language here, Kyle. I love it. Um, like th- this is – Part of the whole reason I ever even started this podcast was because these types of things bugged me so much. And so I just wanted a, an outlet to kind of vent about it and say, hey, we should be better as business owners and as marketers. So thank you. Thank you. Um, well, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, is there anything related to marketing or branding or building trust that we haven't touched on that you think is absolutely essential to get out there? Branding is more than arts and crafts. It's more than colors and logos. Mm-hmm. Your brand is who you are. So if your business is treating people like trash and it's showing up in your Google reviews, then you have a terrible brand. If your colors and website and things look amazing, but you can't deliver on the product side, you overpromise and underdeliver, your brand is trash. You can do all of the things to make your company look beautiful and amazing and attractive. But if you fail to deliver, your brand is trash. And you really don't have to look very far. Google SoftBank, look at their acquisitions. Look at how WeWork behaved. Look at how Uber behaved. Look at the ways in which organizations literally were an extension of their brand. You may not have seen it all, but as all of that stuff came to light, you see wasted money, you see gross abuse, you see uh, distrust amongst employees in a market. And so if you want to build trust, don't lie to yourself, don't lie to your market, and don't lie to your people. Be honest. If it's broken, fix it. You may not fix it in one day. Mm Mm-hmm. But putting a new logo and a can of spray paint on it, like Uber did after they had the whole fiasco fallout with their CEO. Oh, we'll do a new logo and we'll change the way that we present and we'll do some updates and our new brand is rolled out. That's a cut in colors. That doesn't change who you are. Make sure your culture is an extension of who you want to be and something that people will fall in love with. Yeah. Well, I can't really add anything else to that. I'll just say mic drop because I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Kyle. And let's talk a little bit about where people can find you. Obviously, you have the Hammer Marketing Group. Um, you do the podcast, the Summit Podcast, I think is what it's called, right? Um, where else can people that find you if they want to learn more about you or reach out to you for some help with marketing? Uh, look, and I think I think um, finding guys like yourself, Jacob, who are are passionate about great experience and building trust is a, is a good place to start. Not everybody needs to drive back to me. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Hamer Marketing Group. Um, it's Hamer with one A, like the guitar. Uh, I've been saying Hammer this whole time, haven't I? That's I'm a, so sorry. <laughs> just, just don't call me late for dinner, all right, Jake? <laughs> um, so, so you can find me at Hamer Marketing Group, the Summit Podcast, 
Um, and, and the Sum Up Podcast, man, I, I can't tell you guys enough uh, what a value that is. If you're a po- avid podcast listener, I do interviews like this. I find industry experts and leaders. Um, we've we've interviewed 10 TED Talks – or not 10 TED Talks – 10 authors, five TED Talk speakers. Um, we, we have people that are experts in LinkedIn marketing, pay-per-click, digital strategy, personal branding. T- take a moment to help you reach – the summit in your career. And and that's why it's called the summit is, is it's it's interviews with people who are far smarter than I will ever be giving you insight and in how to, you know, how to level up. And if you're looking for weird random things to to follow or where's my headspace at today, I'm always picking on somebody or a specific topic on LinkedIn and it's uh, LinkedIn forward slash I think it's I N and then it's Kyle Hamer, K Y L E H A M E R. Uh, that's the best places to find me, and you could shoot me a line, send me a DM. I'm I'm always wide open. If you're going to show up and throw up, though, we you might end up on one of my LinkedIn posts. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Kyle. And we'll, maybe we'll have to have you back sometime to talk about your experience with your podcast because I am. We didn't even talk about podcasting, but I absolutely believe that there is so much value in podcasting. So thank you for being on this show. Go check out Kyle's podcast. Go follow him on, on LinkedIn. And thanks for listening to TrustCast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. This podcast has been a production of JMH Media. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. The TrustCast podcast team consists of Josh Harmon and Steve Hill. I really couldn't do this without them. Music licensing comes thanks to Epidemic Sound. And if you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.